because I could have left a fleece or two at home and had a little bit extra room for to smuggle a couple of penguins home. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And Sam, it's cold here in Seattle, but nowhere near as cold as the destination <laughs> we're headed today, I don't believe. Right. So are you ready? You bundled up? You warm? I have a sweatshirt next to me that I could put on if I get cold, but yeah. I feel like I'm going to be okay since I am in the comfort of our home as we're recording this episode. Yeah. But I am really excited to talk about this Adventures by Disney trip. Just to give our listeners a little preview, we've got two guests here who went on a very unique ABD itinerary. So we'd love to welcome Kara and Jean to the show for the very first time. Hi, Hi thanks. Thanks for having us. Excited to have you both. And we're going from the blue-footed boobies of the Galapagos all the way up to, I suspect, the penguins of the Antarctic. Is that right? That's right. Before we dive into your trip with ABD, we always like to get our guests cruising background. So have you cruised before and what kinds of cruises have you taken? I have only taken one cruise before and it was a five-day carnival cruise in college. Very different experience than this one. And, and that was really it. Yeah. And I had never taken a cruise before. So I, I definitely made sure to get my patch, but ended up not being a big deal. How did you decide to go to the Antarctic? We'll talk about how you got to ABD to take you there. But how did you decide that the Antarctic is where you wanted to head next? Because that is drastically different than a five night carnival cruise. <laughs> so how, how did you land on Antarctica? Well, I turned 40 and my wife asked me, where, you know, where do you want to go? We can do a trip. Where do you want to go? And I have always just been fascinated by Antarctica since I was a little kid. And when I first learned that you could actually go there, that just seemed amazing. It just seemed like it was something that would be totally out of reach to an average person. So the opportunity presented itself and I, I jumped on it. It took her a little bit, of, a lot of bit of convincing, I guess I should say. She's from New Orleans originally. So going to Antarctica seemed, seemed a little much. Um, I got her on board and and I think we're both super happy that we did it. Yeah. And and by the way, when I asked him where he wanted to go, he said Antarctica and then explained that he had always wanted to go there. And this was the first time he'd ever told me that. So <laughs> I was a little bit surprised because in the, you know, 10 or 11 years that we've known each other, he'd never <laughs> said anything about Antarctica. So it did. It took a lot of convincing, but eventually I was I was there. Would you have assumed a warm weather location for a 40th birthday trip? I don't know what I had assumed, but I just, I didn't assume, you know, icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stunning destination from what we've heard. So I can't wait to talk to you about it a bit more. But let me next ask, why Adventures by Disney? Because I think there's a couple of cruise lines that go to Antarctica or a couple of, you know, expedition cruising adventures you could take to Antarctica. Adventures by Disney being one. I think Nat Geo has one. I know there's some other cruise lines that have done some bespoke ships to uh, to head that direction. And so curious how you landed on Adventures by Disney. Yeah. So we worked with a wonderful lady. Her name's Karen. And she was a really great travel agent who helped us research just a ton of different options. We looked at a wide range. There was Quark, there was Nat Geo, there was like Silver Seas, a bunch of other mm -hmm. cruise lines. And, and Karen did a great job of, you know, describing and giving, giving a summary of each you know, ship and the feel that each of them had. And Adventures by Disney just seemed to check most of the boxes. It seemed like it would be, you know, the right combination of fun and you would get to see a lot of stuff, but also be very comfortable in a really nice ship <laughs> with good food and, and great people. So, and also, you know, everybody knows that Disney plans things to a T and everything is supposed to be really magical. And it was right? So for a trip like Antarctica, we didn't want to leave anything to chance. And so we felt like Disney was definitely the most qualified organization to take us there. Yeah. that, And I'd say the, the size of the ship as well. So some of those ships um, being such a big expedition are really quite large. You're on that ship with a lot of people. And it just seemed like that would be a lot, just some giant hotel out all the way to Antarctica. That seemed like a lot. So the size of that cruise was something that really drew us to it. 
And and even that, this is what we were picking it based just on the marketing materials alone. We'll probably touch on this later, but I, I think those marketing materials vastly undersold the experience that we ended up getting. It ended up being like way even better than than we thought it would be based on that. So were you Disney people before you took this cruise? I mean, have you gone to the theme parks and such? Because Adventures by Disney usually attracts a crowd that has some connection back to Disney itself. And so I'm curious, was this just kind of your first experience with Disney all up or had you been Disney enthusiasts before? I wouldn't say we're Disney enthusiasts. I mean, I had been to Disney World a few times as a child and my dad loves Disney. So he, he got me, you know, kind of into Disney when I was younger, we would go, I think we, we probably went, I don't know, three or four times to Disney World. So, you know, it's a magical place. And but I wouldn't say that we're Disney enthusiasts necessarily, right? Like Jean had never been to Disney World until when? About three, four yeah. years ago. Yeah. I mean, clearly, like everybody, we've seen every one of the movies and, and we <laughs> we have a three and a six-year-old. So Disney Plus is on nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are in that case. But I think part of what it drag I mean, you did list off several lines that do go to Antarctica. And it's true. There are a lot of options. But unlike some other places that um, these Disney, the ABD, goes, it really is a little bit of a limited bunch. Even though there are several places that go to Antarctica, it's not as many places that go to Africa or go to Europe or any of those other places. So it's a smaller set. And so from those uh, different cruises that take place, Disney really popped out at that point because there just aren't as many places going. Right. Yeah. And again, I think for me, Disney popped out, not again, not necessarily because we love Disney so much and we're like super into Disney, right? Disney's great, but we're not, I, again, we're not enthusiasts. I think we chose that one because Disney has a reputation of just making everything magical. Mm -hmm. And that was the main reason that they stood out. Yeah. yeah. And we should also pause really fast and say, you mentioned Karen a few minutes ago. Full disclosure, talking about Karen, who's been a guest on our show many, many times and is the owner of our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So as you listen to this episode, if you're thinking about booking an Adventures by Disney cruise afterwards, Karen and My Path Unwinding, great resource. And we thank them for the sponsorship of this show. So so one thing I wanted to ask, but I now I, I think I know the answer because you mentioned your kids are three and six. So I'm going to I'm going to guess, but I'm going to ask you, did your children were your children coming with you on this Antarctica cruise or is my assumption correct that this was an adults only trip? Your assumption is correct. This was an adults only trip for me and Jean. So it was it was two weeks total without our without our kids and bravo i know <laughs> <laughs> you know people people uh i think we get some judgy comments and looks from people when we tell them that we travel occasionally without our son and we traveled to europe in september of this year on a cruise in the norwegian fjords and we were away from our kid for two weeks and so um i love when i hear other parents of young kids making sure to take time for themselves and for their relationships. So good on you guys. Congratulations. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And and shout out to, to my parents who did all of the childcare for us <laughs> while while we were out. They they live in New Orleans and so they they took a drive to um, Charlotte, North Carolina, where we live and stayed with both of our kids for, for two weeks. So they had a blast and they were spoiled. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, they need that grandma grandpa time. It's important. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's talk about the trip itself now a little bit and got to start with the preparation. Uh, how much reading up did you do in advance? You know, where were you headed to get information about sort of what you'd be up to? Or did you just, you know, sort of leave it all in the hands of Adventures by Disney? Because that's that's what they do. Yeah, we kind of left most of it in the hands of Adventures by Disney. In fact, you know, there were a couple days that weren't all that planned out in Buenos Aires. And I think we we emailed Karen maybe a week or two before. We were like, oh, wait, maybe we should figure out what to do when we're there for two days. Because we, again, Disney, you know, kind of takes care of everything. And so we weren't really in the headspace of doing a ton of planning. Mm -hmm. So the yeah. only real research I think we did was 
on the on the weather, right? We did some research on the weather and we looked up some other people's packing list. But other than that, it was mostly looking at pictures of Antarctica and just getting super excited about going. Kara mentioned that we didn't have much planned for Buenos Aires and we should have done that. That wasn't Disney's fault. Uh, we decided to go in a day early and do it that way. They also op- offer a, an option where you can do a Disney pre-Antarctica couple days in Buenos Aires. And a couple people we met did do that and said it was fantastic. We didn't do that. We decided to do like an extra day on our own. And for that, we we wish we'd prepared a little more because Buenos Aires was awesome. And we just didn't know where to go. It was kind of information overload. You can go here, there, everywhere. So planning that out probably would have been better or going to Disney. Yeah, they do those short escapes, they call them, I think, in, in most of the cities that they are leaving from for ABD trips or for um, even sometimes cruises in Europe. They do a lot of those like a two, three, I, two, three day itinerary. So that's Cool to know that there there was one available in Buenos Aires. So what did you guys end up doing in Buenos Aires then? Walking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really cool cemetery. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's just just amazing. And it just goes on and on. That was was really cool. They converted this old theater into a bookstore and it's just phenomenal. There's lights everywhere and several stories. And it's this old bookstore. It's really cool. I mean, I just really liked looking at the architecture. It was it was beautiful. And I think they call Buenos Aires the Paris of the South, right? It was just, it was such a lovely city. And some of the architecture reminded me of New Orleans a little bit, just in the intricacies. You know, oh, yeah, the, the metal work and stuff, right? I feel like yeah. the balconies are very similar to New Orleans architecture. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was and the just, weather was great too, right? Because when you're leaving for these, you're going in their summer. And so it's a great break from kind of the, the cold weather we were leaving just to walk around. They have beautiful parks and, and things to see just by walking. So it was just a great time to have that extra day. And I would say, I think I can speak for Kara, strongly recommend getting there at least one day ahead of time. Because if not, you leave very early the next day to go down to Ushuaia. And so having that extra day, which isn't mandatory, but it almost should be mm-hmm. <laughs> because you really need that extra time to kind of... Be- and also practice the phrase, no hablo espanol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because people just, I don't know, the, you know, the, the people in Buenos Aires, they, they do not, their first inclination is not to speak to you in English. You know, they, they would just start talking really fast. And I took, I took some Spanish, right, in high school and college, but <laughs> definitely was never fluent. And so I would always just get a blank stare on my face when they when they started speaking and and then they would say English and I would say see. Sí. <laughs> I love. It. Now, did you get to see any of the um Avita Peron stuff? Like did you go to I know there's a museum there that's a uh, an Evita museum. I, I always think of Evita because I know the musical and he didn't do that. I think if we did it over again, I actually would tack on the ABD short escape because they they probably know all of the all of the right places to go, right? And another thing I wish we would have done there was um, a tango show. That would have been oh, yeah. that would have been really fun to see. Like Jean said, yeah, we spent a lot of the time walking around and just kind of just kind of wandering the streets, which was fun for a little while. While, but eventually my feet were on fire. Yeah. So. <laughs> we did go to a steakhouse though, and Argentina is kind of known for their steaks and for a very good reason. It was phenomenal steak down there. You know what? I realized we should step back for one second uh, we're talking about ABD as if every one of our listeners out there knows what it is. And so uh, if you're new to the show, you haven't listened to some of our back catalog, we've covered ABD a few times, but ABD Adventures by Disney is a signature offering of Disney that does land-based river cruising, expedition cruising, uh, trips that are fairly all-inclusive come at a pretty hefty price tag. You get kind of the Disney service and experience that we've been hinting at all along here, but it's a great way some ways to see places outside the US where you don't want to have to do all of the planning yourself. And so ABD provides that kind of signature white glove experience to visit some of these places. So we've had shows on ABD trips to Egypt, the Galapagos, Sam, where else have we gone? We did the Southern California ABD at one point. 
covered an African safari. That's right. We've also talked about in the United States, we've talked about the, I'll call it the Southern California ABD that goes to the Walt Disney Studios and Disneyland and a few other um, kind of uh, exclusive places that you can't go outside of that tour. And we've covered some short escapes in advance of cruises in places like Barcelona and some others. So if you want to learn more about ABD, you can head into the back catalog there, but just wanted to provide that frame of reference for folks and then pose the question back out to Karen Jean here. What was included in this trip? Because I think ABD handles everything from basically your airfare in, or you can ask them to, hotel stays, sort of pre- adventure, the adventure itself, and then kind of getting you back. So what what was covered in the sort of cost of the trip? So what was covered in the cost of the trip was the hotel stay in Buenos Aires, not the pre-night. We paid, I think, additional for the pre-night, the extra day that we did. Mm -hmm. Included also in the price was the flight from Buenos Aires to Ushuaia. All of the stuff that we did in Ushuaia to include, what was that? The the end of the world train that Mm -hmm. we went on. So there was an excursion there. There was a meal there, you know, all of the food that you could ever and drinks that you could ever want to consume on the, on the ship. All of that was included airfare, you know, back from Ushuaia to Buenos Aires. Disney handled that. That was great that we didn't have to worry about, you know, booking, booking another flight. And again, they just, they took care of all the logistics of that. And for those who, who may not have been that far south in the world, Ushuaia, we kept mentioning Ushuaia. That's where you sail from. That's the very tip of Argentina. Um, that's where you're going to sail from. So yeah, I mean, Kara mentioned it all, what they cover. It's easier to say what they didn't cover. So they didn't cover the flight there and back um, from our home to Buenos Aires. And they didn't cover the additional night stay that we, we chose to do. Other than that, you could go there. Everything's going to be covered um, from the time you land in Buenos Aires till the time you leave. Brian, you mentioned that this, like I think you said, the ABD cruises and this cruise in particular, I think, does come with a heftier price tag, and it was worth every mm-hmm. single, mm-hmm. every single one. I think the one thing that we definitely wanted to to mention, it wasn't included in the you know in the cruise price. You had to pay a little bit extra for this was kayaking, the the most amazing experience ever. So I had never been kayaking before. So of course, like, why not make your first time kayaking in Antarctica? So <laughs> go big or go home, I say. Yeah, that's right. And now I'm forever ruined for kayaking. Because anywhere <laughs> else I go, I'm going to be like, well, this is lame. This is in Antarctica. <laughs> She was a pro though, and uh, they're two-person kayaks, and I totally agree. I mean, it is extra and it fills up. That's not a guarantee that you can get a spot. So mm-hmm. if you're considering going to Antarctica and you want to book that, definitely try to get in one of the kayaking trips. But yeah, Kara, they they teach you they they teach you how to go kayaking, and by the end of it, she was in the front seat and I was doing the steering, and she was barking orders, telling me to dodge this chunk of ice and see clear of <laughs> that penguin, and it was amazing. <laughs> I love it. Let me ask this: We've had guests on who've done these expedition cruises. And one question we always have is packing. So, you know, you mentioned you were headed to Buenos Aires and it was nice and warm there. I don't know if that trend continued once you hit Antarctica. And so, you know, how did you think about what you needed to bring with you? And I assume there are some limitations on how much you can bring given kind of the size of the ship and and all that sort of stuff. So how did you approach packing for this trip? Yeah. So I joined a Facebook group. I think it's called the Antarctica Travel Group or something like that. So that's that wasn't through Adventures by Disney. I just kind of came upon it. And that group was actually really helpful. The guy who runs the Facebook group had a packing list that he posted. So um, I kind of followed that. And then we also, of course, Karen, um, our travel agent, gave us some tips on on what to pack. And, you know, I'll say, I think we overpacked a little bit. I wish we had known just how warm we would get when we were actually on land, like doing, you know, some of the some of the excursions, because I could have left a fleece or two at home and had a little bit extra room for to smuggle a couple of penguins home. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently on some other cruise is a sort of an aside. I don't think this was an Adventures by Disney cruise. I think it was a different cruise line. But evidently there was some guy who took a penguin from, you know, one of the landings and put it in his bag and brought it back to the ship. <gasps> but it wasn't 
car cruise, and I don't think it was an ABD cruise. Don't do that. That's not, <laughs> so that's not definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. But that sounded kind of wild. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So anyway, I think, yeah, I think we overpacked a little bit. We, you know, I'll tell you, we were each able though to get to fit everything into one large suitcase each. And you're right, Brian, there, there is a weight limitation. Um, in particular, I think for the flight from Buenos Aires to Ushuaia, that was sort of the flight they kept referencing in terms of the weight limitation, but you can take, you know, a, a large suitcase and then a carry on, but we were able to successfully pack everything in there. It's just, you know, I knew that I was wearing leggings, (laughs) you know, most of the time that we were hanging out on the cruise ship. So I just, I tried to pack as light as possible and I knew I could just, you know, kind of rewear some things Mm -hmm. too. Most of your days, you're just going to be in the thirties. It's not that cold. It's their summer. um, So it's really not that cold. And odds are you will hit a day or two that is warmer than you expect, probably not colder than you expect. So when you're packing, one thing to keep in mind is that they provide boots. They don't allow you to use your boots. They need to sterilize their boots every time you do a landing. So they provide boots, which is great. So don't pack boots. Uh, They also provide a parka, which is fantastic. So leave some space because you actually get to take that home. And it's it's a great parka. It's really nice. So leave some space to make sure that you can bring that back with you. But that does most of the heavy lifting. I would say rather than cold, don't even focus on it doesn't get that cold. Wind is the bigger thing. So you want to make sure you pack some windproof pants. That's critical. And then after that, it's really just layers. So if you pack basically one pretty warm set of base layers, so a top and bottom, and one light set of base layers, you can mix and match those and you'll be fine. That's really all you need in terms of base layers, like a pretty warm set and a a lighter set, and you'll be good to go. Because we definitely had one day, blue skies, sun out. It was, um, I almost didn't even want my base layers at all. It it was very warm that day. So it, it would probably be warmer than you think. So look at your bag, take a couple things out. <laughs> yeah, and and even the girl from New Orleans, right, <laughs> says don't pack that many layers. I, you know, I was fine most days with just one base layer, you know, top and bottom, ski pants and then the parka that that they gave me. Mm-hmm. And that was really all I needed except for I think I put another lighter mid-layer on for kayaking, but that was that was pretty much it. You really don't need that that many clothes. Yeah. The only thing I wish I packed that I didn't were more sets of pajamas because they do several pajama days on board. <laughs> <Where everybody's laughs> just around as you're going traveling there and back and you're not getting off the boat. It's just pajama days left and right. So more of those would be nice. Oh, that sounds fun. Pajama party. I love it. <laughs> I'm curious, as you're talking about this, what kind of communication did you get from Adventures by Disney in advance? Uh, did they send you anything to sort of help prepare, or give you a sense of what the weather would be like or anything like that? Were you really... Or tell you to not bring boots, for example. Yeah. They did. Yes. They told us that. And I, I believe they sent a packing list. It's sort okay. of rough guidelines for what you would want to want to pack. Yeah, I would say, you know, the only the only suggestion I might have for ABD is to is to say, you know, don't overpack the typical guest wears these types of layers or these types of things, right? And the average temperature is, you know, between X and Y. They didn't really send that type of information. We had to research like the temperature and stuff like that mm-hmm. on our own. But yeah, they, they said, don't, you know, don't bring a heavy coat because you will get a parka and don't bring boots. And I think they're they're trying to plan. Some people might just run a little cold in general, so they want to make sure that you're not cold. But right. just to give you a feel, I never went in any more than just my base layers and parka mm-hmm. um, and, and my snow pants. Um, that was it. I didn't have three sweatshirts on or anything like that. And you'll prefer because there's some sometimes you'll do hiking and things like that where you'd much rather have the mobility mm-hmm. than to be kind of stuffed up in a bunch of layers. So let's talk um, about the the itinerary. I feel like, you know, that's obviously key. We know you, you get to Ushuaia, you get settled there. What kinds of stuff do they have you do there? And then we'll talk about obviously getting on the ship and, and all the locations you went to off of the ship. Yeah. So in Ushuaia, we took the the end of the world train in Tierra del Fuego. And that was that was really cool. It's a train that goes through part of the Patagonia and you can, you know, mail a postcard from the southernmost post office there. So that was really cool. You know, after that little trip, that was when they checked us on to 
the ship and just entering the ship was was magical. Like when we walked on there, it was, you know, there was a person playing piano and they hand you a glass of champagne. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was yeah. out of this world. And now it's probably a good time to, to point out that this ship that they put you on is gorgeous. I mean, you walk on and it is just like a fancy, very fancy French hotel. Mm. Uh, you know, like she said, there's a pianist who's always playing. There's there's the champagne. There are um, French pastries around for you to eat. Uh, just very comfortable sitting area. So as you walk on, because up till this point, you've you've done whatever you've done in Buenos Aires. You've been on planes left and right. Uh, you've seen part of Patagonia. And then you hit this ship and it's just so relaxing and so beautiful and so just wonderful. And you're going to be on that for a while. Um, it's just a really great feeling that, oh, this is where we're going to be. That's <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah. And I'll point out, it is a fancy ship, but you don't have to be a fancy person to, mm -hmm. you know, to really enjoy it. I mean, everyone on the trip, all of the guests, right, were, were really laid back. And Disney did a really nice job of making making a really comfortable and warm and fun atmosphere. So it's it's a luxury experience without stuffiness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned the pajama days, right? So think that when you, yep. <laughs> when you think about what you should uh, pack, it's it's very much, you know, you look around, you feel like, oh, I shouldn't be here. But so is everybody else. Like, do not pack anything fancy. There'll be no need for it at all. Going back to your original, I think, question about what we did in Ushuaia, we, you know, did the end of the world train and then after we checked in on the on the ship, there was a little bit of time to walk around, which we did. But unfortunately, because of the time of year we went, I think it was New Year's Eve mm. or New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yeah. It was New Year's Day. And so, you know, there was really nothing open, unfortunately, mm -hmm. in the little town. And, and it looked like such a cool place, right? I mean, we still walked around, but there really weren't mm. any shops or anything open. And we actually left off a huge thing that we did was a catamaran tour through the Beagle Channel, um, which was awesome. There were, uh, it's just beautiful. You've got Chile on your left, Argentina on your right, mountains coming up from from the water on either side. Really pretty. We stopped at this one place to see, a, a, I guess I should know, is it a flock of penguins? <laughs> at this point, I shouldn't <laughs> know. Um, but there were just a ton along, the, uh, along this one island that they brought us to see. So that was really cool. And they serve lunch on board and it's, it's a really big, comfortable catamaran. You can take um, all kinds of pictures. So T To answer the question, many names you can call a group of penguins. Uh, apparently, they are called a waddle. They can also be called a formality of penguins. So <laughs> I like that. Lots of terms here. Uh, so yes. Uh, Block isn't one. Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> The more you know, you uh, the internet is never wrong, right? So anyway, I wanted to ask how many we, you you kind of mentioned the passengers. So I want to ask how many passengers are on the ship with you? You know, a, approximately, if you know. And then, what is the demographic of these folks look like? What what ages? Because I I know that you know Adventures by Disney. Some of their expedition cruising and some of their experiences are I'm going to call them kid friendly, not little kid friendly. Let's just be clear. But so I, I I'm curious to know if there were any families or if this was more an adults only experience. And then if it was, what sort of the age range kind of looked like to you all? Yeah. So I'll answer your first question about number of guests, because of course, Disney told us, right? Um, so there were 160 passengers. And then a fun little tidbit is there were, what was it, like 165 crew members? There were more, yeah, more crew members than guests. Wow. Oh, wow. But you could feel that, right? Because yeah. of just the level of service and how incredible just the whole ship experience was. Um, several families, not a ton of younger kids. Probably the youngest kid was, what, eight or nine? Yeah, I think the recommended age for children, if you're going to bring children for this one, is a little higher than most ages. BD trips. It's 10, I think. And I, I think I would stick with that. Um, I probably wouldn't bring a, a kid younger than 10. Um, there were several teenagers. They kind of formed their own clique while they were there and got along phenomenally. There were people like us, our age, just traveling alone. There were people older bringing their older kids with them. I mean, so in terms of what the typical passenger looked like, there's no answer to that. It really was just different groups of people doing different groups of things. Full families, not families at all, different age ranges. It, it was really great that way. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I think there were about a dozen teenagers. Um, so it's not like the, the ship was overrun with, right. you know, <laughs> teens. And I think, you know, it was, was so funny. I think we started calling them actually a flock. <laughs> oh, there's the flock of teen girls who all <laughs> made friends together. And, you know, they would all, you know, sort of be by each other, no matter if you saw one, you saw the rest. <laughs> it was really cute. All right. So let's talk about the cruise itself. You get on this beautiful, magical ship. Can I ask who actually owns the ship? Do you know the, I, I forget who Disney partners with for this. Yeah. Disney partners with Panat, um, which is a, a French cruise company and they do it right. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash L Duo, so they know we sent you their way. Thanks, My Path Unwinding, for sponsoring the show. And with that, back to our episode. So let's talk about the itinerary, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the amenities of the ship. Where did you all go, and what what were you what were you excited to see, and, and what did you get to see? Well, I think before we even get to the itinerary, there is something worth noting: is the Drake Passage. So mm-hmm. this is the way that you get um, from Argentina to Antarctica. It's kind of famous for its the term is lake or shake. So it can be relatively calm, and you have no problems, or it can be. I mean, you should look it up because there's. <laughs> There are mm-hmm. quite a few videos of waves crashing against the side of the ship, and it can be very rough. So we fortunately got a relatively passage through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is something to uh, to be aware of. And even if you normally don't get seasick, if you were ever going to, it's probably through this Drake Passage. So I do <laughs> want to point that out, that that is part of the trip. And it takes you about two days to get through all of that before you actually get to get off the ship. We have heard about the Drake Passage. We've heard it's it's quite rough. I am someone who does get seasick and rough seas. So if we ever go on one of these, I will definitely be getting that patch. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think something, you know, I think you're asking about what kind of landings and, yeah. um, you know, expeditions we did. Something else to note about Antarctica is, you know, I know, I think we mentioned earlier, the we- the weather was was pretty mild, but it can change on a dime. You know, your landings really depend on the weather conditions. And and there's a whole crew of naturalists and expedition guides that make sure, you know, wherever you're going to land is passable and it's safe and, you know, everybody, everybody can do it. As much as Disney, you know, can try to plan exactly what you're going to do each day, it doesn't always work out that that's the exact thing that you're going to do. But Disney always has a plan B, plan C, and plan D. So even if plan A didn't work out, you know, it's like plan B, here's what we're going to do. And plan B is even better than plan A. And these are the reasons, right? So I just wanted to to point that out that, you know, even if the itinerary says, you know, day one, you're going to go here and day two, you're going to go there. You may not, but you're always going to be going somewhere and it's always going to be beautiful. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just want to echo that because this to me is one of the most impressive parts about that cruise is that you cannot predict the weather down there in Antarctica, but they will do absolutely everything they can to make sure that you're doing something, whatever it is, the best thing that you can do. So if the weather's just not up for it that day, maybe they'll take you out on a Zodiac tour and you're still going to see amazing things. And in fact, some of the best things we did were Zodiac tours where we saw whales and we saw an emperor penguin on an iceberg and we, we saw all this stuff, even though the weather was terrible. And they will, the crew, I mean, to their credit, they will move the ship. They will keep trying to find different bays 
and different safe places where you can go. And they will keep doing that. And they'll do that all night to prepare for the next day. So even though it's really unpredictable and it's kind of like, well, is it worth it? Are we going to get terrible weather the whole time? One of the the most impressive things for me was how hard they work to make it work, to make sure you were always doing the best thing. Because it's a lot of work and, and it just showed that they really went the extra mile to make sure that you were doing something awesome. And all the excursions, I mean, we did a bunch of fun things to be sure, but they're all just different ways of experiencing Antarctica. So it doesn't really matter which one you get to do because you're going to experience Antarctica in some way. And for this trip in particular, I just feel like you're there for Antarctica to see this amazing thing that's so far away from everything else. And so to be able to see it in different ways, no matter what those excursions are, it's all awesome. It's just all just great to do. So the first landing that we did was Deception Island. And I think this was actually one of Gene's favorite places. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So this is a... um, you, you have to look at it on a map to fully understand it. They call it Deception Island because if you sail around it, it just looks like a very mountainous island. But there's this one little channel where you can go in and you realize that the whole thing is donut shaped with mountains going around in this circle and the middle of it is all water. And the reason cool. for that is that it's an active volcano that, that erupted and the weight of the magma basically collapsed the island in on itself. Um, and so now there's this waterway that you can get through there. And It's still an active volcano. It is like much of Antarctica, where it is land covered in glacier. But in this particular place, that glacier is then covered in ash. So the whole thing is black. It's black beaches, black mountains. It's phenomenal uh, to look at this place. And there, there is wildlife there, not the krill. Um, it's because it's an active volcano. The water there is so hot that it actually boils the krill alive. And they just there are just tons of krill washed up on the... So not what you think about, right? A, a boiling stew pot in the middle of Antarctica. But that's what's going on here. And it's just such a unique landscape to see these gray and black hills that are just expansive with this giant waterway in the middle of it. But that's where you first land. And I feel like even though for me, it was Deception Island, if you go on a different cruise, it might be a different place. It's that act of getting out of the Zodiac and setting foot on Antarctica for the first time. I feel like no matter where you are, that's probably going to be your favorite stop. Yeah, because for all the hesitation I I had with going to a place like Antarctica, when we did get out of the Zodiac and we, you know, we set foot on Deception Island and I just looked around, I, this is going to sound really corny and cheesy, but I like teared up and kind of cried a little bit because it is just unlike any place that you've ever been before. And the air is so easy to breathe. And there's so much life everywhere. You just don't realize how full of life Antarctica actually is. Yeah. Any any pictures you see, even professional pictures, and definitely better than the pictures I took on my iPhone 12, <laughs> they... It just cannot do it justice from being down there. It just feels so much different than what you think you kind of know about Antarctica, that just being down there and experiencing that is just amazing. So Jean loved Deception Island. I really liked Port LaCroix. Part of that stop was we got to see this several colonies of penguins. And and like many people, I think I can just sit and watch penguins all day, just all day long. They're really, you know, I think by now they're they're pretty used to humans. They don't necessarily, you know, come up to you. You can't feed the penguins, definitely bad. Um, and they, you know, they brief you on what you can and can't do, right? Like you're supposed to say, stay a certain number of feet away from them. And they always have the right of way, right? Like whenever you're walking somewhere, but it was it was really fun to to watch them in their natural habitat, just way different from when you see them at like an aquarium or something, right? But it was so fun to to see you know the males going and getting rocks to build nests, and they would they would go steal rocks from each other and bring it back to the female. And there's a certain species of penguins, they're gentoo penguins. When they get the rock, they they actually bow to the female, um, and then they drop it at her feet, and then you know he go the male goes and and gets another rock. But it was it was really fun to watch. There is a lot of penguin poop. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you you're like, oh, oh, we're coming up on penguins. (laughs) Can smell it. Um, so a lot of penguin poop, but but you get used to it, and they're they're so fun to watch. 
Jean, did you find Kara a nice pebble or rock? I should have. They're very clear. And I got to give them credit for this as well. They are very clear about not disturbing anything. And they made the point, right, that even though you want to take a souvenir home, right, you want to take that pebble home to say, I've got a little bit of Antarctica. They are very clear on what damage that will do. That if every one of you takes one pebble and that happens over and over again, those penguins run out of things to make their nests. There's an endless supply of pebbles, Mm -hmm. even though it appears that way now. But they are so great about just making sure you leave Antarctica the exact same way. Like Kara said, there are little penguin highways. They make these little roads that they travel. It's amazing. All you see is their little heads popping up and down above the snow. But you you give way to them. And they, they give you this whole briefing on making sure before you make any landing, you don't have cough drop wrappers in your pockets. So that if you reach in to get your phone and that wrapper drops on the ground and you don't realize it, you know, and they brief you on all of that and make sure. And I think at one point they did find something and shamed people pretty hard (laughs) about it, that you just you need to leave this place as natural as it possibly can be, because that is what this place means. It's it's the purity of it. And we don't want to have our intervention there. I mean, we're there to see and not to to kind of, you know, leave our mark. And they do a great job of making sure that passengers don't leave their mark. The other thing I'll mention about the naturalists, they deserve, I mean, to me, there were three groups of people on this trip. There was the Disney group, there was the crew, and there were the naturalists. Every single one of those groups was phenomenal in their own right. The naturalists, they will give lectures on board. They will talk to you. Even if you're not on board in a formal lecture, they will be talking to you while you're out doing these excursions educating you on what you're seeing. Um, Because a lot of it, you wouldn't really appreciate until they point out that this is what these penguins are doing, or that's what this mountain is, or whatever it might be. So they do a phenomenal job. So in addition to scouting, they're up first thing in the morning, scouting these sites, making sure everything's safe. Uh, They're out there the whole day. I mean, they're working hard, (laughs) but you can tell they love it. So these these people love what they do. They love the subject matter. It really shines through. And I mean, that really comes across. That's a great part of it to have this group of naturalists who are just knowledgeable and really into what they're doing, kind of leading the way for you. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and some of the naturalists have, you know, specific areas that they're that they study or even really specific special skills. Like one of the naturalists, I love telling people about this. One of the naturalists has this really special skill. He makes steps or stairs out of snow and ice, which made, you know, some of the landings much easier and more accessible for all of the guests to experience certain areas, you know, of Antarctica. So that was really cool. Yeah. And and those steps are needed because you are doing a fair bit of hiking for some of this. But something that pays, I mean, if you're thinking about going to Antarctica and you're sure, you know, am I going to be up for trudging through all this snow or what have you? They make a, a point of telling you, look, if, if you don't feel up for this very long hike we're doing, you can do this path instead. You know, stay on the beach and see this. And, and they'll tell you, usually if there's a hike involved, there's an alternate option as well. So if you don't really feel like doing a lot of hiking... It's not that big of a deal. That said, the hiking isn't that bad. Um, you're not really trudging through snow. Usually there's some kind of path that's out there for you. But if you don't like to hike at all, there's still plenty for you to do. Let me ask this. So two, two questions, really. One, how active would you say this cruise was? And how fit do you need to be to go on one of these cruises, do you think? So I would say if you are, you're just moderately fit, can kind of go for long walks and not be winded at the end of that, you're going to be more than fine. Um, It's not a very excruciating type of uh, thing. It's not physically demanding. There are hikes, you're going to be moving around, you know, you will probably get a little more out of it if you are at least moderately in shape so that you can do all of these things. But the only place I would say is an absolute deal breaker if you're not in shape would be the kayaking, simply because you need to be able to get in and out of that kayak while you're on the water. And if you're not at least a little dexterous to be able to do that, it, that's going to be tough. And in fact, they, a couple of people, they said you can't go, even though I, I imagine they refunded them. They want to make it safe for you. So if you're not able to do that kind of thing, kayaking would be a little tough. But in terms of the rest of it, um, I think just moderately in shape is, is totally fine. Let's talk for a second about the experience on board itself. 
I don't think we asked about your stateroom on board. What was your stateroom like? And, you know, did you feel like it was roomy enough? There was enough space for you and all the stuff that you had to bring with you. So how, how was your stateroom? The stateroom was was gorgeous. And it was so nice because, you know, our bed was made every day, which is not something that we do at our own home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was always, you know, nice and clean and, and made up. And so that was really nice, you know, to feel like you were being taken care of. But definitely... There, yeah, there was definitely enough room for all of our stuff. It was very good use of space. We had enough, you know, drawers to unpack and put, you know, pajamas, base layers, socks, etc. There's a place to hang your clothes. Space was was never an issue. And strongly recommend getting a balcony because mm-hmm. we were like, hmm, are we really going to use this balcony? Some of the best views we got of Antarctica were from the little balcony, you know, on off just off of our stateroom. Now, did you need any like dress up clothes? Meaning was there like any kind of formal night or did you feel like you had to, you know, sort of change for dinner versus wearing your, your base layers or your pajamas on pajama days? <laughs> no. Um, in fact, ABD said, don't bring dressy clothes. Be mindful of what you're packing, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a weight limit. And they emphasized, you know, it's it's very casual. So no formal captain's dinner or anything like that. And in fact, I think, you know, the shoes I wore the whole time were these slippers, these hard-soled um, slippers so that I could easily go out on the decks um, and not, you know, slip if it was a little wet. But very, very casual, even for, even for dinner in the really nice formal dining room. Like I said before, it was, it was a luxury experience without, you know, the stuffiness of feeling like you had to, to dress up and and look really great the whole time. Yeah. I mean, so they're white in the restaurant. There are really two restaurants. One's a little bit more casual. It's um, buffet and the other is white linen, but you're sitting at that white linen in your slippers. So yeah, (laughs) definitely don't don't pack anything formal. It's a waste of space and you will actually stand out. Casual is definitely the way to go. The food, we should talk about the food. Very, very good Yes, definitely. We need, we always have to, we love talking about food. We always like to save it for towards the end of the show. So this is the perfect time. Tell us all about the food. We want to hear all the deets. Yeah. I mean, the, the French, what can I say? The French really, <laughs> really know how to do it right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a big breakfast eater. I was eating breakfast every day on the, <laughs> on the ship, right? And, and everything was, you know, despite your being on a ship in the middle of nowhere, right? Everything was just looked and tasted so fresh, fresh fruit, fresh salad. And if you didn't want salad, you know, there was always a freshly made hamburger or, (laughs) you know, sushi whenever you wanted. And, or if you wanted a a steak for dinner at night, you could have that. And for dinner at night, you know, the, the menu changed um, daily, or if you just wanted, like I said, steak, you could have that. My favorite, I think our favorite part that we discovered a little bit later into the cruise was Tea time. So every day at Ooh, at you're 4 speaking p.m. my love language. I just have to tell you <laughs> that right now. <laughs> so they yeah, so they had tea time and it was in you know, it was in the lounge and you could go and you could get hot tea or cold tea, but but the best part of tea time was the dessert that came along with tea time. So every day there was a new pastry or dessert that that we could try. So that was that was a nice little surprise. Awesome. I think the other thing we really liked was on the sixth floor. Um, it was called the observation deck. It was just a nice little lounge, but there was a gentleman who was usually working behind the bar, you know, up on that deck and like clockwork when we would walk in, you know, we would sit down and bring our books and we would start reading and he would come up to us and say, can I get you a latte or a cappuccino? And, you know, then when he would bring you mixed nuts and he would bring you this you know, freshly brewed cappuccino with, you know, some dark chocolate on the side. I mean, it was, I felt like a princess. (laughs) (laughs) This was really fun too. They had a cocktail of the day every day that, that changed out. Um, And those were, those were quite good. Those were always a a nice little, Ooh, what are we going to drink tomorrow? Yeah. They actually had a, a, how to make your own cocktail class that you could sign up for. And we did, but we were so um, caught up in trivia that time, I think that we didn't. And, And that's something that we've completely glossed over. We talked mostly about the trip, but we haven't talked at all about the the Disney staff who 
are just, <laughs> they make your time on board amazing. There is always something, there's no pressure to do it by any means. You could sit in your cabin or on the observation deck or whatever you wanted, but there's always something going on and they are the most lively, fun staff. I mean, I don't know if we just got the best four that Disney has to offer or what, but it was <laughs> phenomenal. It was just so fun just having them around. What kinds of activities do they plan on board? ABD calls calls this group of people adventure guides. And I mean, I, I wanted to take them all home with us <laughs> because you felt connected to each and every one of them. They're just the loveliest people you'll ever meet. So smart, so fun. Um, the types of things they did, you know, they they organized any programming and any activities that weren't expeditions. Mm-hmm. And you could tell just the coordination and the way that they worked, not just with the expedition guides who planned all the landings, but with the, you know, the ship crew and Captain Fab, we didn't even talk about Captain Uh, Fab. Another best part of the trip. The captain is amazing. <laughs> you know, the types of activities they would plan would mainly be when you weren't on an excursion, right? You you could do trivia or they would set up movie night or, and my favorite part, and I, I noticed that Jean purposely has not talked about this yet. There was bingo night and that was really fun. Jean, <laughs> Jean was the first bingo winner that night. Oh, and- so fun. No, it wasn't. No, because she'll tell you why. (laughs) So, you know, really fun. They set up this prize table. You can walk up and you can choose what prize you want. So Gene's the first winner, right? So he he gets up there and, you know, he's all excited to get his prize. And, you know, the adventure guide, I think it was Michaela or maybe Veronica, I can't remember. But they asked, you know, know, what's your name? Where are you from? Um, And so he answers the questions. And so they, they sprung one on him and they said, all right, well, before you get your prize, you need to dance for the crowd. <laughs> Gene is many things, but he's he's not necessarily a dancer. But um, he's not at all a dancer. But he did. He danced that night. <laughs> and it was real, but it was all in good fun, right? And so everybody, everybody who who got up also had to dance before they got their prize, and it was the best. Yeah, there there being there is a really important part of it too, because I think we didn't really mention the way the excursions were is you're assigned to a group. So it's not all 160 of you go out at once. That's that's just way too many people to have on land. So you're assigned to a group, which means that most of the people on the cruise are on the boat at any given time. So even though there's one group maybe out, um, there's a whole other group who's still on the ship. Mm-hmm. And so they've always got that thing going on so that it's always fun. Even if you're not out doing an excursion, it's always fun. And another big thing that they did is every night, you would do a a debrief of the day. So they'd kind of go over what you did during that day. And then they'd let you know kind of what was anticipated for the next day. Even though that might change, I'd say 90% of the time it did not change. Um, But they would tell you exactly when you would be going out, what time your group was going to go out. Um, So it was all planned out and you knew about it ahead of time. And those were some of the best times. So they would make it super fun and get you super excited for whatever it was you were going to do the next day and make sure that you're well-informed if there's anything special you needed to know about it. Um, So that's kind of how you would end your day. And then you'd go to to dinner and have some activity that night. And they always have, there's a theater on board. There's always Disney movies playing on board. Oh, awesome. Yeah, long story short, there's just always something to do. Um, And if you don't want to, like I said, you go back to your cabin, you, you rest for a little bit. That's totally fine as well. Now, with the groups for the excursions, how did they choose? Like, were you in the same group all the time or was your group? Did your group change based on what excursion you sort of opted to do? You're in the same group the whole the whole time. They do allow you before they assign the groups. They say, hey, if you've made a friend or made a group of friends that you want to be in an excursion group with because, you know, you're going to be with this group the rest of the cruise, Mm -hmm. um, sign up on this paper and just put all of your cabin numbers together. So there is so much work behind the scenes, I'm sure that we don't even know about, but they do everything they can Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have the absolute best time possible. So, you know, even if you, you walk in not really knowing anyone except for, you you know, your family who you're, who you've gone with, if you've made a, a new group of friends, you can, you can ask Disney to kind of shuffle things around and they will, they will make it happen for you. And the other thing, I feel like we're shortchanging the adventure guides because they were, they were so great. So great. I, I want to stress that so much. 
They're actually with you for the whole trip. So they're with you starting in Buenos Aires. So I guess we didn't really point that out. We're not figuring out how to get down to Ushuaia. They are with you every step of the way and they're taking care of all that as well. Mm. And they give you a sheet in Buenos Aires of things to do. And there's they're always at the front desk. If you have any questions, they're always there. Uh, you can just stop in. So yeah, they're doing the whole trip. And they're the last people you see as you as you leave. And so it's really sad because they're they're so fun. And they've been such a great time, though, you know, with you the whole time. Um, but they're with you from beginning to end. And something else that's great about the adventure guides is you always have someone to take a picture of you. <laughs> and they're so generous with, yeah. you know, the way that they offer that. I mean, it's, you know, Jean and I would be looking out at some beautiful landscape and there would always be an adventure guide nearby that would say, hey, do you want us to take a photo? And and we'd say, oh, yes, we never have someone to take a picture of yeah. us. <laughs> so we got we actually got tons of pictures together, which was really nice. And um, they set up a website. We have to go to that website and get all the pictures. But I think there are like thousands of pictures on that website that they'll just upload for you. And yep. but you also have you know pictures that they take of you on your phone, mm-hmm. um, so that you have that. Yeah, but that's free access. You you go there and they've got every picture that they've taken up on that website, and so that's just a ton of pictures and. Uh, I don't know if it, I guess it's Panant's crew also takes pictures a little bit more professional quality mm-hmm. of just your trip. So these are pictures of the the wildlife and the scenery and things like that. It's not really people, mm-hmm. um, but it's just during your trip. So if you don't want to spend time taking your own pictures of kind of all of that and you want quality pictures, those are available for purchase as well. It's kind of like a package. Um, so that's kind of a nice option. So if you don't have kind of a professional quality camera, but you still want pictures from your trip, those are available as well. Yeah. Now you mentioned Captain Fab, I think you said. Oh, and so good. <laughs> so you got you gotta tell us what was what was great about the captain and and perhaps the greater crew of the Panant ship. What wasn't great about Captain Fab? He he is a personality unlike any other. He was just so fun and he's uh, he does his job very well. But uh, I mean I'll give you an example. Maybe this describes Captain Fab. One night. While we're all sleeping, getting ready for the next day, he plotted a course in the shape of Mickey Mouse's head for the ship to take. (laughs) (laughs) And he showed it to us the next day that this is what this is the course that we went. It's a Mickey shaped head. Um, But he was just so funny. And he'll come over the the loudspeaker cracking jokes. Very funny guy. But he'll let you know if there's, hey, there are whales outside, like go take a look. Or there's, you know, we're going through such and such. It's a really beautiful scenery. Go take a look. Um, So he's always keeping you up to date. But yeah, he's just a super funny guy. At one point, he was wearing his Mickey Mouse ears and he jumped into the... There's an onboard pool on the deck. There's a heated pool. uh, And he just like jumped in with everybody fully clothed in his captain gear, (laughs) Mickey Mouse ears. Wow. He's a very funny, very cool guy. That sounds like an adventurous captain for sure. (laughs) Does not sound like the Disney Cruise Line captain. No, uh, I was thinking the same thing, Brian. I cannot (laughs) imagine one of the captains from Disney Cruise Line doing that. I I would love to to hear just a little bit about the amenities on the ship. You had you mentioned there was a a movie theater. Um, You've mentioned now there was a pool on deck. Was there hot tub, spa services, that sort of thing? What what kinds of amenities were on the ship? Because we think Mm -hmm. about you know we mostly talk about large ship cruising, so we know this is going to be a much smaller ship. You're not going to have all the amenities of a large cruise ship. Sure. Yeah. I mean the pool was actually really nice. It was it was outdoor on on deck six, I think. Um, it was a heated saltwater pool. So it was it was a very nice little dip if you were feeling a little chilly, which we actually did one day and it was it was snowing while we went swimming. So we got some pretty cool pictures. Yep. Icebergs in the background. Very cool. So there's the pool and then there's there are a couple of different just common areas. So there's the third floor lounge where they have a larger bar and they have a bunch of board games and things that you can do. We spent a lot of our time on the sixth floor on the observation deck. There's a small library up there, a pianist playing some lovely tunes. Um, you know, you could have a cocktail or a cappuccino if you were up there reading your book. Like you mentioned, the theater, there were there was a spa, there were spa services. And I had every intention of getting a massage or a facial, but I was too busy having fun and doing other things. <laughs> so I never did. But you're right. It's not it's not a huge ship, but we were never wanting for anything mm-hmm. more than than what was on it. There's also a 24-7 gym that we we failed to make use of, but that is available as well. <laughs> 
there are three bars. The the one on the top deck is an outdoor bar that was closed for, I think, most of the time just because of the, the weather. But the two bars were more than sufficient for the 160 people that we had. Um, like I mentioned, two two restaurants that may have done it, but lots of observation areas on, on all sides of the ship that you could go to as well. Well, it's we wind down here, I maybe have two kind of final questions. Let me start with, who would you recommend this cruise to? It sounds like you had a great time and you would recommend it. So I'm curious who you would recommend it for. This is not a helpful answer, but I would recommend it for everyone. <laughs> as long as you're you know, able-bodied enough, right, to get in and out of a, a small pontoon boat and walk around a little bit, this is the cruise for you. Like it is a place unlike any other you will you will ever see. Gene, I don't know if you have any more specific helpful. Yeah, I mean, and I, I would be hesitant to say the same if it weren't for the fact that they do take such good care of the environment. I mean, they're, that is a critical thing for them. So to say kind of everybody should go and see Antarctica, I'd be so hesitant to say that except for the fact that they do such a good job and they're, they're not letting a lot of people on land at once. And then they're making sure you do not leave your trace there. So it really is. I mean, if you have the ability to see Antarctica, I've not been to Alaska, but I cannot imagine it's the same if you're kind of wavering. Well, Alaska's cheaper, but Antarctica is an experience unlike any other. Um, and if, if you're considering it, I would strongly recommend doing it. If you have kids and you want to bring them, we saw kids who were having a great time. There were, unfortunately, a couple kids who I feel like might not have been in at the right age to necessarily appreciate it for what it is. So I, I think, you know, consider will your kid really appreciate this before bringing them? But if you think they're that kind of kid who loves nature and would really understand what being in Antarctica means, absolutely bring a kid. I mean, those they there were lots of kids who had a great time. And they're uh, another amenity we failed to mention. They have a kids club on board. So there's always activities for the kids. Uh, and they do do uh, make a point to kind of have some times where even if you have a kid, they're taking the kids away so that you can have some adult time as well. But it really is kind of no matter what your your walk of life, if if Antarctica is of interest to you, there really should be no barriers to going because it's it really is kind of for everyone. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the kids, I think we may have mentioned this earlier, but I wouldn't bring any child younger than. I don't know, maybe 10 or 12, maybe for two reasons, right? You want to make sure that they are enjoying and really appreciating and taking in where you are. And you want to make sure that, you know, they can handle all of the all of the walks and hikes and everything that that you do without whining about, hey, how much longer is this going to take? <laughs> I mean, I would just say know your kid. It, it is an expensive trip. So to bring a kid, it, it's a big expense. But if your kid is the kind of kid who would would appreciate that, you would make their life to, to give them an experience like that to see these things. It was cool. We did see a couple of like father daughter or father-son or mother-son. And that seemed like it was a really special time. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if you're thinking about something to do with your older child to have a really great trip, th this is a great option for that. I mean, maybe you weren't even considering Antarctica, but it it's a great time to go with, with somebody you care about and see amazing things and have an experience you're not going to have anywhere else. Yeah, especially if they're penguin obsessed, right? I feel like penguin, <laughs> if you are penguin you obsessed, this is the trip. Yeah. We always like to wrap up with guests by asking what's next. Did Adventures by Disney so pique your interest that you're looking at maybe some other ABD trips or do you have anything in the works? It definitely piqued our interest. Uh, I have a milestone birthday, which I will not get specific about. <laughs> <laughs> coming coming up uh, next year. And I am very interested in the Galapagos. So wow. we're thinking about that. Before I was saying, no, I want to go to Bali or Fiji or somewhere and just lay on the beach. But I don't know. Antarctica got me really thinking. I, I need to be a little bit more adventurous and, and see you know what else is out there. And so this experience has definitely made me think twice. And I'm very interested in the, in the Galapagos. Yeah. I would say I probably wouldn't let where ABD goes dictate where I want to go. But if I had a place in mind that I wanted to go visit there and ABD had some type of trip in that area, I would absolutely consider it again. And I think I got, do not want to shortchange what Disney interjected or injected onto this trip. There's 
it could have been a great trip on another line because of the naturalist, because of the the crew, because of where we were. But there was absolutely something that Disney added to that experience that mm-hmm. made it so much better. All the downtime you would have had on another ship is just elevated by the Disney experience. Um, and I got to be honest, it was an expensive trip, but it was absolutely competitively priced with what all the other lines were doing. Well, and when you get into the cost of planning that out all on your own as well, I have a feeling like it's going to be more expensive than, you know, kind of doing it in a super budget friendly way. But, you know, the ease of being able to pay one thing and have it sort of all taken care of end to end outside of your flights to Buenos Aires and back. I mean, that's that's worth something. Yeah. And I got to say, when we were first looking at lines, there was kind of the budget option. And I was heavily leaning that way. And and Kara did not want to give up on that. It was kind of a, do you really want to do all of this just to kind of be miserable on the ship as you're crammed <laughs> in with 500 people and blah, blah, blah. So she convinced me and it, it was the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad that she did because it was absolutely a better trip, even though it was a little bit more. Yeah. I was like, listen, if you're dragging me to the end of the earth... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be on a really nice ship with really really good food and have the Disney experience the whole time. So, take it or leave it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you all, you should be listening to episode 265 of the DCL Duo podcast where we talk all about the adventures by Disney to the Galapagos and all the blue-footed boobies that you can see there. <laughs> check that out. Well, Kara, Jean, it's been so fun having you on and talking about this cruise. Uh, it's it's just a fascinating destination. Sounds like such an amazing experience. Uh, so glad you could share it with our audience. And thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having Absolutely. us. It was fun to relive. Well, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. We'd also love it if you'd head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you hit those five stars, that's great. If you leave us a written review along with a five-star review, we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes. If you're hovering over anything less than five stars, we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback. Best way to do that, head to dclduo.com to find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon if you'd like to help support the show. We really, truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. And that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Good night.